listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, following. The following. Is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the Macho Man. Yeah. The best there is. The best of walk. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for you. Two words. The champ is here. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's season three, episode 16. I am your glorious host, Nate. Thank you guys for joining me on this fantastic Wednesday here in a rare occurrence. It's actually Wednesday and I'm recording this. <gasps> it's late. Oh no. What do we do? The podfather didn't he didn't give it to us when he said he would give it's usually midnight. It's after one PM in the afternoon. I'm I'm jonesing for my journey into wrestling fix. I'm starting to itch, man. I need it. We got there's so many things to talk about, right? There is a lot to talk about, guys, by the way. There's like so much shit that's broken the past two weeks. We're gonna cover some of the stuff that is important to break that happened in the past two weeks that lead up to what's happening more currently because we've got, obviously, WrestleMania right around the corner. We just got done with Fastlane. Double or Nothing is now kind of a closer thing. We've got some new info for All Elite Wrestling. I mean, there's tons to unpack. Let's just get started with it as we've had some major returns and some major, um, I'd say, reuniting of forces is the best way to say that. So the reuniting of forces. So... Uh, first and foremost, let's briefly talk on a returning Kevin Owens who replaces Kofi Kingston at Fastlane against Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston came in. He he didn't. It wasn't his typical heel shtick. He wasn't an asshole. He was actually very gracious. He's very. He's coming at it from a different place. He's definitely the babyface now in this scenario, and I really do, you know, absolutely appreciate that because, you know. Kevin Owens is one of those guys who he's great on either side of the fence, but he's so great at playing a heel. You almost need to see him be a babyface once in a while, just just to really be like, man, he's he's the best in the game, and he really he really is, man. KO is amazing, and his um, you know he's obviously brought some uh, attitude era back because he's now introduced the Stone Cold Stunner as one of his finishing moves, the KO Stunner. So. That's pretty exciting. Uh, well, how did he replace Kofi Kingston, you might be asking? Well, that's where we have a humongous storyline. It's going to be kind of a tangential thread that, that goes throughout this whole episode uh, this week because, you know, um, Kofi was supposed to do a contract signing. He would go on to face Daniel Bryan in a rematch for the WWE Championship at Fastlane. Uh, as he was in the ring to do that, Vince came out and said, Sorry, Kofi. 
you're being replaced with someone else, and let me introduce to you Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens came out, and he was like, sorry, Kofi, and he's like, he seemed really genuinely bummed about it, and then like he just signed the contract or whatever, and, and you know, here we go, we're in this new feud all of a sudden, and it was a little bit strange that that happened, so that's like one of the things of the, of the return, so like KO had returned, which was really cool, love his work, but we had more returns, and we also had some other things that were crazy that happened, we're going to talk about two here in a minute, as the Hardy Boys reunited on SmackDown Live. Uh, they returned. Matt returned the first time in action in many, many months uh, alongside of Jeff in an old-school Hardy Boys reunion. Yeah, they used a little bit of the delete stuff, but it wasn't like he was really broken Matt Hardy. He was just Matt Hardy, which was interesting as well. It's good to see those guys being able to once in a while uh, still work together when, you know, I know... Matt was injured and had teased that he was retiring. He teased a new character. He's teased all these things. So just to have him come back and like, how do you feel? Oh, I still feel good. I can still go in the ring. I was still very active. I was still moving around. Drink break brought to you today by Podcastrophe. Check that shit out. Every Thursday right here on the Journey into Comics Network. But you can also go to podcastrophypod.podbean.com or... Search Podcast Review Pod on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and many other sites that host podcasts. Just search for it. Hopefully, you'll get it. Podcast Addict, possibly. Uh, back at it, though. It's cool to see the Hardys reunite. You know, they're they're one of my favorite OG teams. I feel like they are on the precipice of getting a Hall of Fame bid. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Tried to do that off mic. Uh, so yeah, Matt and Jeff Hardy reunite on SmackDown. That was pretty wicked. That was really cool to discuss. But you know, while that's like a great team to discuss and they're like legends in the game, there's a different, uh, well, possibility coming. We had talked about it a few weeks ago. Roman had announced that he is in remission. Cancer-free right now, or just not, you know, cancer's not showing its ugly head. And, uh, you know, he came out and had to, again, address the universe and all that. And then there was this whole possibility, will the Shield reunite? Fast forward to last Monday on Raw, they they reunite and they make it official. They're going to go into Fastlane to take on Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley, which is, you know, pretty cool. Uh, it was pretty cool to see, you know, the Shield uh, back together and kicking ass together. Uh, Dean Ambrose, it's funny, I, you know, we're going to talk about Dean here in a minute, because I feel like, if I'm being really brutally honest right now, folks, Dean is working everyone right now, the whole, I mean, the amount of times they have said, he is leaving the WWE, like, he's not leaving, if they've said it that many times, like, addressing it, he's not leaving, because you know what, if Dean didn't resign his contract, they wouldn't say shit at all, until, until it was time for him to go, and it would be like the week of or whatever, and they'd probably be like, look, it's going to be my last match or whatever. We can't come to terms, blah, 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 whatever. Like, whatever it's going to be. So I think this is a huge work. It's it's a throw to the fans. It's also a throw to AEW a little bit, like making them think that it's possible they can land Dean. I do think that, uh, you know, Jonathan Good, Dean Ambrose, is one of those dudes who um, he's always trying to reinvent his character. So if he can constantly be an enigma 
he's doing his job right. And, he, you know, if you think you figured out Dean Ambrose, the quote-unquote, like, notice they don't really call him the lunatic fringe so much anymore. I mean, they do still reference that, but it's not the same because he's he's in a different place now. And it, it's, again, it's an evolution of the character, and it's an evolution that this Dean Ambrose is just, like, he's fucking just crazy, and he doesn't have it all together, and there's multiple versions of himself within himself. And that's the cool thing about what I think that that character brings to the show. So it's pretty cool to see the shield back together. Uh, we had a title change on SmackDown before Fastlane, as R Truth did an open challenge, much like his buddy uh, John Cena. And in doing the open challenge, out comes Samoa Joe, and out comes Andrea, and out comes Rey Mysterio, and it becomes a fatal four-way match. And the next thing you know. Samoa Joe is your brand new U.S. champ, capturing his first official WWE gold. Of course, he was an NXT champ, but uh, his official main roster gold has officially been uh, capped with being the U.S. champ, which is great. I think it fits him. It really, honestly, I think he elevates that title. He's a talent that when you put the belt, like, it was on our truth and I was just like, okay, it's going to be kind of a parody belt again for a minute. No offense, R-Truth, he's a great worker, but it, he, he brings a lot more of that goofy, you know? And uh, I think that delegitimizes sometimes a champ, just if they're overly goofy. You know, sometimes when you're a champ, you got to kind of like get a little bit serious. Like, there's a lot more shit at stake, you know what I'm saying? So, Samoa Joe wins the U.S. champ. He's holding it up high, and, is, and he's happy. So, we had... Um, we have not talked about this yet, guys, and let me let me tell you that some shit has happened. It was insane. We are probably on the precipice of Attitude Era 2.0, um, whatever it is, the, the reality era, I guess, maybe, is what they're going to call this, possibly, uh, but here's the deal. So there was a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. You guys know what's been happening. Rhonda and Be- Becky Lynch have been going back and forth insulting each other. So Rhonda uh, called out Becky Lynch's fake prison photos in a hallway. And then uh, after she did that, there was a long string of things that happened. Becky responding to Rhonda saying, keep that F word out of your mouth and concentrate on getting better at this business instead of trying to remain above it. Looking forward to seeing you real soon. And she photoshopped uh, Ronda Rousey's face on Tommy Wiseau. Ronnie Wiseau is what's on the on the door. And it says, what is line? And then Ronda says, F word? You mean fake? Fake like your nonsensical BS armbar that doesn't even work and just looks like you're holding the dick you wish you had? And then she posted a picture of... Uh, Becky with the arm bar and on Rhonda and uh, it does it, it kind of looks phallic I guess you could say well here's where shit just flips and this is where wrestling again the reality era possibly this is very important to note we're going to go on a little long string of Ronda Rousey talk right now because I think it's very important to address this and what happened with this we, we kind of got through some of the the quick return news is my cat decides she's going to make some sort of crazy noise. Um, so 
Ronda Rousey, you know, again, says, F word, you mean fake, like your nonsensical BS arm bar that doesn't even work. It just looks like you're holding the dick you wish you had. Becky responds, huh, it does look exactly like one now that you mention it. And she retweeted the picture, but where Ronda's fist was, she put Travis Brown's face. Now, for those of you who aren't uh, more in on the behind the scenes stuff or don't know about the MMA world or UFC or any of those things, Ronda Rousey has been with for a long time Travis Brown, now their husband and wife. So Travis Brown's face supposed to be the dickhead as it were huh it does look exactly like one now that you mention it a dick so Rhonda respond okay and Rhonda's response is what starts the the evolution of her heel character and we're going to get into that too as well so Rebecca Quinn I don't care what the script says I'm beating the living shit out of you the next time I see you Rhonda Rousey said so she called Becky Lynch, Rebecca Quinn, which is her real name. And, uh, yeah, she <clears throat> she started shit there. So it was like, what's going to happen when they're on Raw together coming real soon? We got those answers. Oh, Jesus Christ on a Christmas cracker. Fucking ugh, hate that shit. So what did we find out on Monday Night Raw? Okay, let's see what we found out here. Uh... Rhonda was talking on a... Oh, okay, that happened too, right? Oh, no, 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 that... that okay, hold on. Sorry. My our, my little liner notes are out of order for some reason. That one got out of order. Okay. So anyways, Rhonda on Raw executed a perfect heel turn. Okay. And uh, this... I don't, I don't think that's going to have audio, but uh, essentially... Becky was in the ring, and she's like, you, the crowd, think I forgot the time you booed me out of my home state uh, when, when they were in L.A., and you guys are Fairweather fans, and you just jump on the damn bandwagon and all this stuff. And then she uh, she said, I'm not your dancing monkey, not anymore. Damn your fantasies, damn the man, screw the, wor- screw the woo, and no more Mrs. Nice Bitch. And she went off and started beating the fuck out of Charlotte for a second but then turned her focus to Becky Lynch, where she started throwing real punches to Becky's stomach. I mean, she was giving her the business, as it were, in all kinds of ways. I mean, she was hitting her, tossing her, you know, really trying to hurt her, going back for seconds to hurt her more. You could tell, too, because Becky was like, oh, you know, like, I mean, her reaction was so, like, overly pained, and I've seen people in that world get punched by an MMA fighter before. Like, Steve-O took that punch that one time. And uh, I think it was Steve-O. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Uh, but, yeah, like, it just, it just, Ronda just flipped the script. But with that being said, um, I said that she does this Ronda on the road thing. And she said she really didn't care about this job or the WWE or whatever. And she's like, whatever, I don't need this job. They need me. And this is how it's going to be. Like, we're going to ride this contract out, whatever. So Ronda was doing an interview. And we're going to kind of talk over this interview a little bit here while, you know, it's happening. Oh, thank you for that very loud noise. Uh the audio, the audience listeners aren't going to actually hear that noise that I just referenced because I'm going to get rid of it because that was fucking obnoxious. So here we go. This is Ronda Rousey doing an interview. Ronda on the road. 
And she's uh, right. on the couch. Oh, shit, that's very loud. So we tonight we saw a more vicious side of your personality. Is this a side? What the fuck? Do you plan to show more of? Or did Um... It's just that, like... I'm tired of just being here to entertain people, you know? And I'm not taking any more direction or notes or orders. And every time I go out there, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. And they're just going to have to keep filming and cashing the checks I bring in. What else are they going to do? Not accept the money I'm making them? So, Charlotte seemed content letting you and Becky mix it up in the ring tonight. Are you worried that you might be concentrating too much on Becky and not enough on Charlotte? No. I'm not worried. Becky pissed me off the most recently. I promised. You know what? I don't even call her Becky. Rebecca Quinn talked shit about my husband, and I told her I'd beat the fuck out of her next time I saw her. And guess what? I beat the fuck out of her, didn't I? It's been building up in me since Survivor Series. 100%. Yeah. Because... Me and Charlotte put on... I mean, it was a hell of a fucking match. And... I also want to know... And I took up a hell of a beating. She's got two and people doing her There wasn't a person there right that wasn't completely her. fixated on everything that was going on every single second. Showing we her completely stole the show of the whole card. And in the same venue where I fought Kat Zingano at home, they booed me out of the stadium. And it was just such a slap in the face. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you people. Fuck all you guys. Like, even Los Angeles. They, they don't have any fucking pride in their own city at all. They don't. Oh, the Lakers are winning now. I'm going to go for Lakers. Oh, the Clippers are winning now. I'm going to go for the Clippers. I don't think anybody fucking knows the Rams are there. And the fucking Dodgers got booed out of the stadium at home during the World Series. You know what? That whole city is just a bunch of people who are fucking transplants. They're trying to escape shitty-ass fucking Ohio or wherever the fuck that they're from. And they have no pride in L.A. And they're going to come to our fucking games and shit on our teams and say, I'm fucking from Los Angeles. I've been living here for 10 years. No, you're fucking not. So it's been bubbling up in me since then. So tonight when you were um, giving your promo and... It wasn't a promo. They gave me other things to say. I didn't fucking say it. It's a thing. It's not a fucking promo. It's not an act. I'm not going out there and doing their fucking act anymore. They can say it's part of the act to kind of try to save face to everybody else, but it's not an act. I'm going out there. I'm doing whatever the hell I want, and they can explain it away however they want, but fuck them. Everybody, WWE Universe included. 
I meant that I'm going to disrespect the sport that they all love so much. Oh, don't break kayfabe, Rhonda. Wrestling's it's scripted. It's made up. It's not real. None of those bitches can fucking touch me. The end. Shit. So Ronda Rousey laying down some very, very brutal words, saying some pretty intense shit. Uh, you know, essentially she said she loves this job. She doesn't need it. You guys heard in her words ex explaining what she thinks. She said, fuck the WWE Universe wrestling scripted. I mean, she said don't break kayfabe while breaking kayfabe very clearly. Like, it was, um, if this is a work... It is a very good work. And if it's one of those in-the-middle work, shoot, CM Punk type things where Ronda's just like, you know what? I'm a megastar, and I'm allowed to say fucking, and our president says worse, so I'm going to say fucking, you know? Like, if that's kind of her headset, then cool, man. I love it because it's bringing that viciousness back. And we've actually got more expletives coming in the episode that I want to kind of mention. Start and kind of spawn right here ronda rousey and the reality era movement so misha tate says that ronda is legitimately furious about the joke about travis brown being a dickhead uh let's see uh misha tate who used to uh fight ronda rousey in the ufc uh was co-hosting mma tonight and was talking about it and she said uh you know she said about Ronda Rousey, it got under her skin. I know about this. You don't talk about her family. You don't talk about this, even if it's just a joke. She does not have a sense of humor, and therefore shit got real. No, Ronda's pissed. Ronda's not joking. She's not playing games. She's not used to having to play by rules. She's never had to before. Why is she going to now? She's already broken the rule with the F word, saying some things are fake. She's not a company woman. She never has been. And I mean, obviously, then you guys heard the other thing with the, you know, all this shit. So the anti-wrestling rant led to some backlash from her peers and people who are in the industry. I'm going to read some of these people's, uh, you know, uh, some of these people's tweets. Charlotte Flair said, can someone please remind Captain Badass here that her last two fights before coming to WWE ended with her unconscious and sobbing in the cage? Four years ago, you were untouchable. Now, not so much. You're a class act, Ronda Rousey. Eye-rolling emoji. Lacey Evans saying, Lord, someone needs to wear the same um, Holly Holm gear and shut her the hell up. Uh, Rusev saying, Ronda's new character is not real. She is playing a badass, but we all know that she ain't in real life. And people are going after her, man. Uh, you know, I think that this... Uh, Oh, well, it's just, look, Ronda Rousey is a draw, no matter how you slice it. You look at it, she's a draw. She kills it every time. So for her to uh, say, bitches, you got to play by my rules now, because, I mean, really, look at it. What are they going to do, fire her? What's she going to do? Immediately go get a hold of AEW where she can make just as much money and be a different kind of badass. Like, it, it, WWE pigeonholed themselves with this Ronda Rousey signing because, yeah, she's the top draw. Yeah, she's the reason that the Fox deal went through and the WWE is now going to be on Fox. So you can't get rid of her. She literally has them by the nuts. And, and the most they can do, the worst they can do, 
the absolute worst they can do is take the belt off her and take her off TV. Take the belt off her, that's one thing, okay? Taking the belt off her doesn't necessarily delegitimize Ronda or, you know, whatever, because, again, you've put in this uh, possibility, we're going to talk about that in a minute, for a stipulation, uh, because there was a stipulation added for a, well, yeah. Ronda essentially said that she wanted Becky Lynch to be in the match at WrestleMania too. Um, so they made a Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch match at Fastlane. Winner of that, if Becky won, she gets added. If she loses, she's not added. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, you know, Ronda, uh, you know, plays by her own rules, and you take the belt off her, sure. Okay, but then you can keep it interesting because you have the belt off her. You can give her other views. You can have her go to SmackDown and maybe try to win that title, you know, shake things up a bit, give her a new landscape, whatever it is you want to do. Uh, but then if you take her off TV, you're just taking money out of your own back pockets. It's literally like punching yourself in the fucking face. It's not doing any good. When Ronda Rousey's out there, she's making money. And when Ronda Rousey's out there uh, being a dick to this sport, in a lot of ways, it's good for this sport because it's going to bring even more eyes and people are saying Ronda Rousey's calling out wrestling while she's still doing it. And she's actually going and fucking people up. Like, now where's reality drawn? Again, the reality era is, I think, what we're gearing towards. And I think the reality era is more true to kayfabe than kayfabe because what it's saying is, we know you, the wrestling fan, know we're character. So if we remove that line that we're a character and drop our guard and show you who we are and play that up to 11 and become an exaggerated character of ourselves, right... An over an overextension of ourselves. Now you have essentially become kayfabe, while recreating what kayfabe is, and I think it's a lovely thing. I hope this is what they're gearing towards because I feel like they are. I feel like we've definitely seen a pragmatic shift, and I think that's a good way to say it: a pragmatic shift in how much reality is starting to come into television uh, for the WWE program. So well, let's get into Fastlane real quick because that's going to lead us to a couple things that involve, uh, you know, that uh, pushing the boundary rated uh, reality, rated R for reality, I guess. So let's because we because we do also there there have been a couple more names announced for the class of 2019 Hall of Fame. You know, let's just get that. You know, I want to spend a couple minutes on those guys. I don't want to just get it out of the way. I want to talk about Fastlane. Then we're going to get into the Hall of Fame guys. All right, so fast lane. We're gonna quickly cover the uh, the card itself, some of the things that went on, some of the things I thought about the matches and how that how they played out. And then we're gonna talk about the the other stuff, the extracurriculars. So here we go. The new day opened up in the preliminary match of the night on the kickoff show. Uh, Biggie and Xavier taking on Shinsuke and Rusev. Ultimately winning, and yet again, here we are. The New Day opened the show with one hell of a match. It's like, damn, they're just, they're great. So we have the official first match of the card, and it's the Usos. Oh, you know what? I should probably mention that the New Day won. They defeated Shinsuke and Rusev. Uh, up next, the Usos taking on The Miz and Shane McMahon in a very hard-fought battle. There were some crazy spots. One spot in spe specifically that I would like to mention was from Shane McMahon, and I think it was Jimmy Uso. So Miz is laid out, like, corner position. He could take, a, like, a frog splash or something. 
But at the same time that he's out, uh, you've got one of the Usos in the far corner, in the, in that same corner, like knocked out uh, at, on the on the last turnbuckle, on the bottom turnbuckle. You know, head on the bottom turnbuckle, like kind of out of it. So Shane gets up like he's going to do the corner, the coast to coast, and 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 travel from one ring post to the other. You know, in the fashion that he does. As as soon as he starts to get up, Jimmy Uso, the other Uso that's not down in the corner, jumps up on the top rope himself. He's like, "You're going to try to get my guy. I'm going to fucking get your guy." So it's like kind of a stalemate. So the Jimmy Uso went to go for whatever. I don't even know what the fuck he was trying to do to Miz. Shane just fucking drop kicked him like from the top rope out of the midair. It was a fucking it was a collision of brutality. It was fucking awesome. It was another moment that Shane McMahon steals a damn show because he's fearless and he's willing to really put himself out on the line there. Uh overall I thought this match was really good. The Usos do end up retaining uh in a sad loss to Ms. McMahon. So that kind of spawns the end of the match. Uh, they're in Cleveland. Miz's dad is ringside. He's hyped. He's also, well, he's not hyped, but after the match, he's less hyped. He's just, like, feeling for his son who feels bad that he lost and they didn't get the tag titles. So Miz starts to walk away, and, like, Shane had raised dad's hand or whatever, and then Shane just, I kind of what we'd been talking about, anticipating, suspecting. They had teased this several, several months ago that this was coming, this Massive heel turn. The whole point that Shane McMahon won the best in the world tournament was because they're going to execute this heel turn for Mania. Here we are. Yes, they did. And it was fucking great. He beat the shit out of the Miz. He attacked the dad a little bit, like choked him and whatnot. Like brutal, fucking brutal, you know. And uh, we're going to talk about Shane here in a minute. Up next, we have Asuka and Mandy Rose going one-on-one for that singles match for the women's SmackDown Championship. Uh, Sonya Deville obviously ringside with Mandy Rose. Uh, Sonya tried to help in this match, which ultimately cost Mandy Rose the match because the ring apron was up, Mandy slips, Asuka throws her into the Asuka lock, and it's over. Done. Or No, I think she hit her with uh, I, whatever her fucking move is, and then she, she pinned her. Uh, and that was how that match ended. I was thinking about what happened on SmackDown this week. Sorry. Up next, so Asuka obviously retaining the SmackDown Women's Championship. Up next, we had The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro in a handicap match against Kofi Kingston. So back this up a little bit. Kofi's told that Vince wants to make tonight's match for the WWE Championship a triple threat. So Kofi rushes, rushes to Vince's office, and Vince is like, you know, go out there. You get the match starts right now, and uh, Kofi goes out there, and it's the bar. Sheamus and Cesaro coming out in a handicap match, and there is no match for the championship. He just fucking with him, and that was shitty. So ultimately, the bar beat the shit out of Kofi Kingston, and just it was. Oh, also, Biggie and Xavier were barred from ringside. That's important to note, so they couldn't come out and assist. Uh, up next, we had the Revival defending their titles up against Alistar Black, Ricochet, Bobby Roode, and Chad Gable. Now, this was a great match back and forth. Lots of high-flying action. Lots of intensity. Um, I like how they keep the NXT guys, the, the call-ups, really strong here. Because they, you know, uh, Ricochet does this move over the top turn, uh, the corner of the turnbuckle to the outside 
And as he's doing that, Chad Gable tags in. Chad Gable ultimately takes the Revival's finisher, and they beat uh, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, and Aleister Black and Ricochet to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, up next, we had a re- the Fatal 4 rematch from SmackDown Live that we saw on Thursday was done yet again. Samoa Joe versus Andrade versus R-Truth versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, one thing to note that Carmella and Zelina Vega have also been kind of creating a little sub-feud, which I really enjoy. They are battling back and forth and uh, kind of fucking each other over or fucking Andre and or R-Truth over, you know, getting in the way. It just, elevating that manager storyline can make a whole, like, this whole match was great because it has alternate layers, more than just the basic shit. Ultimately, Samoa Joe defeats Andre, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio to retain his United States Championship. Great match. The Boss and Hug Connection were up next. Bailey and Sasha versus Nia and Tamina. This was a little bit of a shit show. I mean that because Nia and Tamina definitely flawed. They had several instances where they botched things. They fucked up. They weren't in the right spot at the right time. They didn't get the timing of something down. Uh, They just looked... Not in there. I mean, I'm not trying to like pick, but it's obvious to see why Bailey and Sasha are holding the champ, the titles. Um, I will say that Bailey and Sasha, you know, were uh, they win, they win the match, they rate, they retain the titles, and then Nia and Tamina start beating the shit out of them after the fact because that's a classic heel thing to do. And then Beth Phoenix gets off a commentary. And pushes Tamina, and they scrap, and then she gets a shit kicked out of her by Nia Jackson, Tamina, and then out comes Natalia. So it's like they've now they've now created yet another possible team. Maybe Beth Phoenix is coming out of retirement to do a, a run at a tag team titles. That would be really cool to have Beth Phoenix come back for a short run. I'm just saying, maybe that would bring Edge back to the fold someday. Who knows? Uh, up next, we had Daniel Bryan up against. Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. Now, as I said earlier, they did say it was going to be a triple threat match. So who is the mysterious third guy? The returning Mustafa Ali, who came in. And, man, he's a hell of a worker as well. This was a hard-fought back and forth all over the place. High-intensity, high-action match. Lots of crazy spots. I do encourage you guys, watch Fastlane. It was a good pay-per-view. I know there's some people bitching, and there's some things that are not... Um, I'm kind of soaking in this era because I'm letting them sell me on it. I'm not being resistant to the possible change, and I'm just going, okay, right now WWE is fluid, and I'm going to let them tell me whether or not I believe in this product moving forward. This is the season to do it. Either at the end of WrestleMania season, either I'm going to be like, man, I really need to make Journey into Wrestling go more, which I'm going to talk about that too later, Uh, or alternately, we're going to go a totally different route, and uh, yeah. It's going to be very, very, very interesting what happens with the WWE after WrestleMania season is all I'm saying. So Daniel Bryan ultimately retaining his championship, thanks to Rowan, uh, defeating Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Brutal match. Uh, Up next, we had Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair in that match where if Becky wins, she gets added back to the women's championship match for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. But, of course, she loses. She goes back to the end of the line. So they're back and forth, and Becky's on a crutch, and she's trying to fight, and she's doing a good job of selling a leg injury way worse than it is. And um, 
they're doing a really nice job of protecting her, I think is the way to say that. And, wow, that was a very loud bird. Uh, so they're doing a really good job of protecting Becky while she's healing, is all I was going to say here. Ultimately, Ronda Rousey comes out. Wah, pow, 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 bam. And executes a interesting move because she punched Becky. Ronda punches Becky, meaning Ronda got Becky added to the match just like she wanted. So Ronda gets her way, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, we've got... Uh, We've got one more thing here. We're going to talk about The Shield. So The Shield, you know, it's wicked because they get to do what we wanted them to do. They get to reunite for what we think is one last time. At least that's what they're telling us. I'm not so sold. We'll see where it goes. I have I have a couple ideas of what might possibly happen, too. So um, Seth Rollins and The Shield reunited to face Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. It was a brutal old-school Shield match. It went all over the place. They went to the kickoff panel area, had some spots there, used the announced tables for some old-school moves. Um, we're all over, I mean, all over the place. The action was packing. It was brutal back and forth. You know, they told a great story. They did, they, they had every right to close that show so remember earlier when i was talking about ronda by the way the shield end up winning their match against uh baron corbin drew mcintyre and bob lashley so remember when i was talking about ronda earlier and i was like you know she has set the reality era on fire because she did all this fuck yous and all this shit and kind of really broke the the typical wrestling boundaries that you've not really seen WWE stooped to, I guess. WWE has always kind of had the air that they're, like, just too high class. You know, and once in a while, like, old school, I remember it was, like, on a New Year's Revolution or something. I'll look it up. I can't remember what it was exactly. It was a pay-per-view, though, and it was Ric Flair versus Triple H, and Flair had Triple or Triple H had Flair in the figure four, and Flair is going, fuck you, fuck you, and flipping him off. Fuck you, flipping him off some more. Like, or like Bubba Dudley saying shit backstage and stuff at pay-per-views. You would hear that from time to time um, in the at, at the end of the Attitude Era, into the Ruthless Aggression Era. But once they went PG, they really fully stripped that away, and there was no chance you were going to even hear a hell. You know, it was very, like, Vince McMahon was the most brutal character because it was like, no chance in hell is the worst you're going to hear on our programming. But now that's not the case because here we go as I'm going to give you guys some new audio as we play... So just in case you missed that, Seth Rollins said one more time, Cleveland, one more motherfucking time. Screamed it. And he also said, well, if if Ronda Rousey can say fucking, I can say it. You know, if, well, anything Ronda can do, I can do also, too also as well. But he's not the only one dropping F-bombs, you guys. It's so crazy because... Another person dropped an F-bomb. I love that the Shield won their match, by the way. I just want to say, overall, the fast lane card, it was like a solid B. Like, not a B plus. It was just a solid middle-of-the-road B. I thought it did a good job of doing what it's meant to do, the kind of speed bump before WrestleMania instead of the fast lane to WrestleMania. You know, it does solidify certain things. I do like, you know, I do like where they're going. So they did this thing where it was a WWE watch, 
where they had some people who were like uh, other personalities for the network uh, sitting and watching and just like live streaming and their reaction to the show. Like they're like watching it and reacting. And Nigel McGuinness it's not what they do necessarily in the this. ring. There's just something about it. It's, it's, it, it's um, that would be called the it factor. Yeah, yeah, something like that for sure. Sure, I did that. Yeah, you you stopped me fucking stumbling my words, and I did use the F word <laughs> live, and I just broke the first curse. Well, rule number one, man. Yeah, yeah. What'd you? So yeah, Nigel McGuinness just said you stopped me from fucking fumbling my words. So, I think we are, again, at a point where the fear of repercussion is being stripped away. If Ronda Rousey can say fucking, anybody can say it. If Ronda Rousey's not going to give a damn, anybody can get not give a damn. But I think what Ronda has ultimately done is tell other people, other talent, hey, take fucking chances. So what? What's the worst they can do? Get rid of you? Right now... WW, and this is, again, why competition is so good. AEW is right around the corner, man. And any of these talent that they piss off with a, you can't say that, you shouldn't be saying that, we're family programming, damn it. Uh, well, they'll go, okay, cool, I'm going to AEW where I can cut promos on the internet and say shit, or fucking, or damn, or bitch ass, or whatever I want to say. Anything I want to say. So, yeah. Uh, I think we are here in the reality era. It is time to embrace it. I think it's time to get excited for it. Because, you know, it, it, it does mean that a lot of things can come from this. It does mean that we can experience, you know, just... Uh, I guess the best way to say it is we're going to experience the actual evolution of this industry especially with them going over to Fox. I think that's going to have another huge impact. So uh, we talked about it last week. Actually, before we get into that, I said we were going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We had two announcements. First up, a f- amazing female competitor, Tori Wilson, has been added to the Hall of Fame class. Uh, 43-year-old Wilson says, This feels like a sweet closure. Since I retired, so many people have asked me, Do you feel bad you never won a title? And I've always said no, because I felt like I got the value, even though it would have been nice to win a title. But being uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame feels like a championship belt to me, because it really makes me feel appreciated. And, you know, I mean, uh, it's funny, because Tori Wilson was the girlfriend to Billy Kidman back in the WCW days, and... And that whole thing, and then she came over during the invasion and was uh, integral in, in some of SmackDown's history and did, you know, she did Playboy and all these other things. I love that she's getting inducted. I think it is well-deserved. I believe that she's another staple in the history of women's wrestling. And um, I can't wait to see who in- inducts her. Uh, I feel like it, I-, I feel like it could be Kidman. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe not. That might be silly. Might be it might be one of her female peers, possibly. Another amazing induction. This one's huge. Harlem Heat is officially being inducted into the Hall of Fame class, meaning that we have another two-time Hall of Famer. So now you have Shawn Michaels, two-time Hall of Famer, Ric Flair, two-time Hall of Famer, uh, Hulk Hogan, I do believe, right, two-time Hall of Famer. Because didn't NWO get in? Did NWO get in last year? Let me see, or a couple years ago. <clears throat> um, 
Oh, okay. So they have not inducted the NWO officially. So Hogan only has one right now, but he will end up with two. But uh, so Flair has two, Michaels has two, and now Booker T. Can you dig that sucker? Uh, awesome, awesome. Stevie Ray Booker T. Getting inducted. These guys again, another legacy team. They came up. Back in the day in Texas Championship Wrestling, I think, or at least Booker did, and then, you know found they found their way into WCW, and then next thing you know, here we are, and there, you know, Booker definitely made his career go longer. I think Stevie took the payout and just let his body rest. He was like, man, I'm gonna get buried in the WWE, so I might as well just take the motherfucking paycheck and get out. And that was probably a smart play for him, honestly. Uh, I don't know if he would have survived the uh, the invasion, as it were. So a couple weeks ago, last episode, I was talking about how we need to realize that uh, leukemia is not a joke and that you shouldn't joke about having it or make it a storyline because it really does affect people and you don't want to rub people the wrong way. So uh, Roman Reigns did an interview with Yahoo Sports and was talking about uh, the delicacy of sharing that news on a WWE stage as a WWE character. And he said, that's where it's hard. The majority of the time, we're just factoring in Rome and the character. But who I really am, Joe, was all over that first segment. We really broke the fourth wall down, and it was so real, it changed the dynamic of the crowd and emotion. It's like hitting a wall almost in a car wreck, getting that kind of news. So they wanted to know about exploiting his leukemia. And he said, for me, as Joe, it was hard to tell. But as Roman, I just thought, next man up. Like in any professional sport or form of entertainment, the show must go on. I feel comfortable with the fact that we need to continue to entertain our fans, push these storylines and our products. As long as I was on board with it, I wasn't going. it wasn't going to be tasteless. I think it came off great. It had such a huge impact that night. Talking about the heel turn on uh, Reigns, or on uh, Rollins. Uh, from Ambrose. So, ironically, Ambrose's heel turn fizzled out quickly. Um, when I got to the comeback speech, I was scared because I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted people to really understand and really feel my gratitude towards the outreach. It was one of those situations where the closer we got, I was getting writer's block. Everything was going fuzzy on me. I couldn't think straight, and I was just it was just getting on my nerves. I kept telling myself, when you get out there, you'll know what to say. Instinct will take over. And then it did, and he did great on his return speech. And I thought that they, uh, again, solidified the Shield's his- history. I mean, they will be inducted someday in the Hall of Fame individually and together. Believe that. All right. So to speak on the Shield, they had that match with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin, or Baron Corbin, sorry. And, um, Bobby Lashley now is out of the Shield feud for a minute, at least so it seems, because he's back going for the Intercontinental Championship. Thanks to Leo Rush's uh, distraction, Bobby Lashley is a two-time Intercontinental Champ. He defeated Finn Balor on Monday Night Raw last night to recapture that title. Uh, Shocking. or Not last night, it was two nights ago now, but a couple nights back. So Bobby Lashley, two-time Intercontinental Champ. Interesting to see what they do. Probably him versus Finn at Mania. Maybe they make Leo Rush somehow involved. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is there. It's it's interesting to see what they plan to do. 
Uh, more stuff gearing towards WrestleMania 35. We will be breaking down that whole card for you officially as Batista showed up on Monday Night Raw this week to essentially tell uh, Triple H that he wants things done his way. And he said, uh, well, he said this. If it'll, if it'll load. Sorry. It's taking a minute. Maybe. Maybe it'll load. Maybe it's going to make me look like a jackass. Here it goes. No? Yeah. Hunter, look at you. You know you want it. It's killing you. Look at you. Get in I this ring! I know you! I see it! It's killing you! It's tearing you apart! You want to hurt me so bad, you can't stand it! But you won't give it to me! Because you're not in control! Give me what I want. Give me what I want! Let me hear you say it. Everybody here wants to hear you say it. Give me what I want. You know what I want. You just don't want to give it to me because you're not in control. I'm in control. Now, Hunter, give no, me what I want. I am going to give you the beating you deserve, Dave, and nothing more. No, that's not what I want. I want you at WrestleMania. Give it to me. You want me at Mania? Is that what this is about? You're beating up a 70-year-old man. You are hiding behind securities. This is what you've become because you want me at WrestleMania? Is that what you want? Give it to me. Give, it to me. Give me what I want. You want me at WrestleMania? Give me what I want. You're on. So that's pretty sick. Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania, reigniting a long-gone feud. you got to think back to the time when Batista first won the World Heavyweight Championship. He won it for, from Triple H, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because Triple H defeated Randy Orton to get the title back after Evolution kind of broke up. They did the thumbs down on Batista. No, that was on... Um, no, but Batista chose to face Triple H at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania 21. And that that because that was the same night that John Cena beat JBL for his first title. Batista won, because that was the year that they both won the Rumble, essentially, and it was a weird controversy. But Triple H and Batista had that crazy feud. They had a hell in a cell match. They had all kinds of matches. This match, however, no holds barred, very important to note. There will be no rules. There will be nothing. It will be brutal. I am really excited to see that. Dave Batista putting it on. He is definitely a more seasoned person as far as acting goes and he's definitely more seasoned as a promo cutter goes it was interesting because his emotion got the better of him and it was obviously playing up the character of emotion he was like spitting all over him give me what i want you guys heard him but he was like drooling when he said it was like a rabid fucking dog he wants triple h so badly and you know a couple years ago he had said i want to face triple h at this wrestlemania and didn't happen this wrestlemania didn't happen this one it didn't happen this one it didn't happen so for it finally to be happening at wrestlemania 35 batista versus triple h you know you smell it in the air it's march and it's WrestleMania season, guys, and it like it raises the hair on my arms. I'm so this is my honestly one of my favorite times of year. And uh, here in a minute, we're gonna re reminisce a little bit about uh, my first WrestleMania experience. More on WrestleMania as Kurt Angle announces that at WrestleMania 35, he will be having a retirement match. 
and it's a choice retirement. It's not a, if he loses, he is retired match. Oh, also, I meant to mention that Triple H Batista match is also career versus career no holds barred. So I think Triple H loses. That makes sense because that allows Batista to go on. But maybe this is a good bookend for Batista as well. I don't know. I'm not sure how they play that. Uh, but career versus career no holds barred. But Kurt Angle also announcing his retirement match, as I said, at WrestleMania 35. No opponent officially in mind or announced. Some people are pointing that it might be an invisible man, John Cena. You can't see him. Uh, that would be beautiful and fitting considering John Cena's first match on the main roster was against Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's last match on the roster would be against John Cena. I mean, that's there's something really beautiful about that, man. And I, I know that John really respects the fuck out of Kurt Angle. So um, I support that. I really do hope that's the route they go. They might not. They might pick a younger guy to go up against Angle just as a give him the rub, you know, and put one hell of a match together. You know, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what the plan is, but uh, Kurt Angle going to be retiring after WrestleMania 35. And it's, it's sad, but it's also beautiful because who would have ever thought that we would get Kurt Angle back in the WWE ring, back wrestling at all? And we got to do things in the Shield. He got to have amazing matches with other people. I mean, Kurt Angle, man, is a legend, and it's super cool to see him just rise up, you know, and, and now he's a Hall of Famer and can go out and say on my terms, I went out and it was not too late and I wasn't making a fool out of myself. You know, he knows, he knows his body and he knows what's going on. Now's the time, then now's the time. Also on Monday Night Raw, we had a match between Drew McIntyre and Dean Ambrose. Uh, that was the end of Raw. Uh, Drew McIntyre kicked Dean Ambrose essentially into oblivion. And it could be possible that's the final time we see him as he possibly has been written off television. They could use the, the assault as a way to write him off television. Also, it could be a swerve. I told you guys, man, the reality era. It's hard to tell what their plans are, too, because everything is so in flux. And I feel like last year when we had all this constant change right before each pay-per-view, and it was like, nope, this person's going to be in the match instead. Nope, we got to change this guy out. Nope, this isn't going to happen. We're doing this instead. Like, all these little changes they had to keep doing last year made them realize they do much better if they just think on their toes and not overplay it. Let matches become more organic. Let the storylines become more organic. This Batista thing, three weeks brewing. I love the payoff that they had. Just the the the, the yelling match that we heard back and forth. It it solidifies the legitimacy of this feud moving forward. And um, like I said, Dean's enigmatic, so we don't know. Could he be gone? Could he be staying around? Uh, time will only be the thing we can find that out from because I can't predict the future. Um, but if I were to guess, no, this is not Dean Ambrose's final match in the WWE. Up next, uh, we moved to SmackDown Live last night on Tuesday night here. And officially, Shane McMahon challenged The Miz to a match at WrestleMania 35. I said earlier we'd get to this. This is what I was talking about. See, they had said this was a tease possibility. This was going to happen. This was going to be the match that was asked for in order to get, you know, from where we want to go to where we're going. And Shane McMahon challenged The Miz to WrestleMania. It's going to happen. I'm really... It actually says, don't call it a challenge. Shane McMahon requires that The Miz step into the ring with him at WrestleMania. I mean, he is his boss. So it, I love that kind of... 
it's very classic. Again, they're they're playing a lot of classic wrestling tropes that really warm my heart. So I'm excited to see where that match goes. Uh, also, I tell you what, I hope this is the whole entire thing, but there was amazing promos. And I love that I've been kind of able to incorporate these promos. Hopefully they don't flag us for using these. But I just want it to come from the horse's mouth more times than not than for me to paraphrase to you guys. That way when you're driving, you can actually hear what these guys are saying or how these promos came out because this one was really good. This is the house. AJ Styles built, right? Well, what I don't understand is in 2002, AJ Styles was wrestling for 10 bucks a night in a high school gymnasium in front of 12 people while I was here. While I was here making my WWE in-ring debut in 2004. AJ Styles was shaking hands with his opponents in the bingo halls, and I was here becoming the youngest WWE champion ever. He's not wrong. In 2005, AJ was down in Florida getting a tan with Dixie Carter Ooh. while I was here facing The Undertaker at WrestleMania in 2006. 2007, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I was here and I was a champion. This isn't the house that AJ Styles built. This house was built long before AJ Styles ever stepped foot in this ring. This is the house that Randy Orton built. Wow, Randy. For someone who looks down on the Indies, you sure did follow my career pretty closely. Hey, I'm flattered. And you're right, I did come from the Indies, and I'm damn proud of it too. Guys like you weren't made for my world. You were built for the WWE. And that's a good thing because guys like you would not have made it in my world. Hey. Not with things like this. He's doing Orton's pose, dorkily. And a knockoff diamond cutter. Ooh, sick burn. Now wait, 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 wait just a second. Are you telling me as you stand here in this ring, face to face, man to man, that you and none of your little indie pals ever ripped anybody off? He just pulled up the two sweet. Oh, that's good. My indie pals, well, take a look around. Take a look around backstage. You're surrounded by them. Not wrong. You see, they earned the right to be here in the WWE. They didn't go to their father to get them a job. Nobody has ever had to help me get where I Evolution. am. Evolution, you remember that team of yours? How about the legacy? <laughs> oh, shit. No? You forgot about that one? Got Here's you there, one too. That everyone seemed to have forgotten. Rated RKO, you and Edge? Forget about that one? Man. Oh, here's a good one. The Wyatt family. Sounds like to me, you had a lot of babysitters. 
Don't get me wrong, Randy. You're exactly who you say you are. You are a viper. You use everyone around you, and when you're done with them, you toss them to the curb. That's why I got the jump on you at WWE Fastlane, because I'm not going to be your next victim. You don't have a choice. You don't get to choose. As long as you want to rent a room out in my house. See, I'm the landlord. And rent's due, you son of a <laughs> And you can make that check out to the most destructive three letters in sports entertainment. R-K-O. And there you have it, folks. That is some amazing promo work there between those two. Uh, just being able to look back on their careers, use things, feuds, find teams and whole plot holes and things. I mean, it was it was very well done. They play off each other nicely. I love this is a feud that's happening uh, as it's something that like 10 years ago would have been one of the hottest matches in main evented WrestleMania easily. I mean, and AJ can do it. I don't know if Randy can do it the same. I mean, he's really still very talented. You have to give it to him. But all the same. All the same. Let's talk a little bit more about what happened on SmackDown. As uh, Vince McMahon has officially decided to give Kofi that title opportunity he wants. But in order to get that title opportunity he wants, he's going to have to go through a gauntlet. That gauntlet is going to consist of Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, Sheamus, Cesaro and Eric Rowan. And oh yeah, again, no help from the New Day, I don't think. So Kofi is obviously, they're really, I mean, the crowd's hot. During SmackDown, I want to notice and talk about how during the show, every chance the crowd had, they were, we want Kofi, we want Kofi. I mean, they were hyped on him to the point that it it overtook matches. And I mean, even during... Fastlane in the triple threat match. That's all they were chanting the whole time. They seemed disengaged. Now, I want to say that I think because that's what they want the crowd to do, because they want Kofi to have this ultra over moment. I mean, they're they're literally lining him up to be made. And I hope they do it right. I hope they don't keep fucking it up and fumbling. Because the WWE, like I said, they keep getting closer to the right thing. And this reality era could make things better. But I'm uncertain of what we will get out of it. Let's real quick touch on the WrestleMania 35 match card as we officially have Brock Lesnar defending his Universal Championship against Seth Rollins, Ronda Rousey defending her Raw Women's Championship against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, Buddy Murphy defending his Cruiserweight Championship against the tournament winner from 205 Live. The winner will be decided on um, the 19th of March. I think that's next Tuesday. Uh, so the winner of that match will face Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania for the Cruiserweight Championship. Triple H versus Batista, no holds barred career versus career match, I think is how they're they're billing that. Kurt Angle versus a unknown TBD as we, and I said, like I said, I think it's going to be uh, Cena, but it could be somebody else. They might surprise me. Also, we have Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a singles match. And that's a card for WrestleMania that's shaping up. Obviously, you're going to have the women's titles defended, the U.S. title defended, the IC title will probably be defended, the other tag titles will be defended. There'll be the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial. They're going to, I mean, WrestleMania is a massive event. They're going to try to book as many people as possible with as many things as possible. 
Uh, and we're right around the corner here. We're just, we're less than a month away from WrestleMania. 26 days, I think, as we sit here right now. So uh, there was essentially there's uh, some bad news, and I don't want to do anything other than just be quick about it because it's unfortunate. And then we're gonna get a little bit of AEW news, and we're gonna get on the fuck out of here. So King Kong Bundy, real name Christopher Allen Palas, died last Monday, at the age of 61. Uh, we lost a legend and a man I consider family. Rest in peace, Chris. We love you. King Kong Bundy stood in at six foot four, weighing in at 458 pounds. Um, but unfortunately he, um, another one dead before 80, you know, another wrestler from the old school that's, uh, they're going too young, man. And, uh, King Kong Bundy, you know, uh, I think he, he, he faced, uh, Hogan at WrestleMania 2 in the cage uh, had all kinds of things. He was part of the Million Dollar Corporation, had matches against uh, uh, Undertaker. You know, he never did win a singles title, but uh, he also made the guest appearance on Married with Children. Also did a small role in the Richard Pryor film Moving, as well as an episode of Weird Science as himself. And uh, Hurricane Helms was the first to react. RIP, my friend, thank you for your humor and kindness. The WWE officially released a statement saying King Kong Bundy passes away. WWE is saddened to learn that WWE legend King Kong Bundy has passed away. Bundy was appropriately called the walking condominium, standing in an impressive six foot four, weighing in at 458 pounds. The sight of Bundy stepping between the ropes was intimidating enough, but his crushing offense proved that he was every bit as destructive as advertised. In fact, Bundy was so dominant that he demanded referees count to five when he pinned his opponents to show that there was no way they were getting up. The Atlantic City, New Jersey native, broken into the WWE in the 80s, dominated the first WrestleMania and memorable and memorably challenging Hulk Hogan for the WrestleMania or the WWE Championship inside a steel cage at WrestleMania 2. Although Bundy left the WWE in the late 80s, he returned in 94 as a part of the Million Dollar Corporation, once again destroying rivals with the Avalanche Splash and proving that he was one of the greatest and most eye-catching big men to lace up a set of boots. WWE extends its condolence to Bundy's family, friends, and fans. Some wrestlers also speaking out. Uh, Hulk Hogan saying, Overwhelmed by King Kong Bundy's passing, only great memories, RIP, big man, until we meet again, HH. McFoley saying, hate to hear about the passing of King Kong Bundy. He was so cool to me when I walked in the WWE dressing room as an absolute nobody in 1986. Big E saying, rest in peace to the true master of the five count. Condolences to his loved ones, King Kong Bundy. Rusev saying, wow, King Kong Bundy was so good and ahead of his time. He was a machine and never ran out of gas. WWE Big E stole his five count in an XT2. RIP. KO saying, I met King Kong Bundy in 1999, and I just started training and was helping out backstage at the show he was on. I always remember him being really funny and such a great guy. I wish I had been lucky enough to cross paths with him again. My thoughts go out to his family. Justin Roberts saying, King Kong Bundy was the first WWE superstar and also married with children star that I got to work with when I was when I started announcing wrestling in high school. He would take my calls, give wrestling business advice, record promos for my school morning announcements, participate in my ridiculous school projects, and be overall such an amazing guy to my friends and I over the years. I'm devastated to hear of his passing tonight and will always remember the impression he made on my childhood as a fan and early on in my career. R.I.P. Chris. Hurricane Helms, we've already read that one. Colt Cabana saying, damn. R.I.P. King Kong Bundy. I was barely 19 when I wrestled him. 
and other promotions said NWA said we are uh, sent we send our deepest condolences to the family, friends, and fans of King Kong Bundy. ROH Wrestling saying ROH is saddened to learn of the passing of King Kong Bundy. We offer our heartfelt condolences to his family and all elite, which is where we're heading next, is saddened to learn the passing or. Uh, all Elite Wrestling is saddened to learn of King Kong Bundy's passing. We offer our condolences to his family and fans. Before we go to the All Elite Wrestling, let's do one last thing as really quickly. WrestleMania 36's location was announced. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. See you guys in Tampa next year. That's all I have to say about that. Nothing really special. Uh, Florida's hosted several WrestleManias. Uh, a couple in Orlando. One in Miami Gardens. Uh, so, yeah. Um, looks like WrestleMania 36. Raymond James Stadium. I will say, if they don't use their giant pirate ship for Kyrie Sane's entrance, I'll be totally fucking devastated. Let's get into AEW. Cody saying he wanted to explain how AEW will be booked, not scripted. In wrestling, some people tend to want it written and some people want it booked. I like wrestling when it's booked. That's the wrestling my father, Dusty Rhodes, was famous for, the territory era. I'm not trying to bring back that era, uh, but I think it yielded really good content versus sitcom writers writing a wrestling show. I know that sounds so anti-WWE. It's not. I'm just telling you from a standpoint of what we provide. If you know, if you want heavily scripted TV, that's something WWE can do. If you want sports-centric booked wrestling, I think that's something we can do. Um... He also addressed the concerns that he, the Bucks, and Kenny will constantly book themselves to win every rivalry they're in, given the controversial history of wrestling also serving as bookers in the past. I'll say this. My dad always got a lot of criticism for when he was involved with Ric Flair for so long. He was the champ at certain times, and he was also the booker. Well, if you're living in the era or coming to those shows, those were pretty much the two most over guys in Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. We do want, we do want to careful and... We do want to be careful and not do that, but the cool thing is we're still wrestlers at heart. If the fans want it, we'll absolutely give it to them, but I'm very cognizant of it. I grew up in the era that of everybody knows the business of the business. I learned things from Dusty. Uh, I learned from the things Dusty did uh, really, really well and the things he might not have. I'm very cautious stepping into this now because even when we talk to talent and hire talent, I want them to know it's not the Cody show. Cody's obviously going to be booked for Double or Nothing May 25th. We don't know who his opponent's going to be. I'm thinking MDJ or whatever. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, um, I'm I looking forward to all this stuff. Uh, all Elite Wrestling also announced another event. We kind of knew this was coming down the pike, obviously. you got to look back to when they did the first presser uh, after they announced All Elite was going to be a thing. They said, we're going to be doing something in Jacksonville later this year. July 13th at Daly's Place Amphitheater in Jacksonville, Florida. We will have Fight for the Fallen. No word officially on when tickets will take will be um, uh, available for purchase. I do believe they said all the proceeds are going to go back to community. I'm pretty sure, but Fight for the Fallen, Daly Place Amphitheater, Jacksonville, Florida, July 13th. Look for it if you're able to go. Um, pretty exciting, folks. It uh, looks like we are pretty much done with the news and stuff i do have one last thing i want to talk about it is wrestlemania season i think i would be remiss without briefly touching on the story of the first time i got to see a wrestlemania because i didn't you know uh when i was a, okay so the first wrestlemania i remember wanting to watch was 15 
and I didn't get to watch it, but I got to listen to it because back in the day, and this is going to um, make me sound old as shit, but that's fine, whatever. Back in the day, uh, through the static, you would see uh, or get little glimpses, but you could hear the show. So I listened to WrestleMania 15, but I didn't watch it because we didn't actually get the pay-per-view. So I was just like illegally listening to it, which I guess it wasn't really illegal, you know, or whatever. So I was just listening to it, and uh, I really wanted to watch it. WrestleMania 16 came around, and I was a little bit less interested at that time for some reason. I just that card in particular didn't sell me. I guess I think I think it bummed me out that instead of WrestleMania 16, it was called WrestleMania 2000. I was just like, ugh, that's dumb, ugh, you know. But I mean, I I do understand the significance of it, so. WrestleMania 17 comes around, and this guy I went to school with, Bret Hardcastle, says, "Hey man, uh, I'm having, I'm gonna do, we're gonna have WrestleMania at my house, and uh, do you want to come? I know you like wrestling." And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, "Hey, it's uh, it's April 1st. Come to this address. Blah blah. We think you don't have internet at this time. It's not the same. So I just have to call him, and I call him the day of, and I'm like, "Hey man, are we still doing this?" He's like, "Yeah, come over. Totally. Like I'm really excited." And he's like, "It's a little bit difficult to get my house." And he, tries to explain it to me, but I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to explain it to my dad. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So my dad thinks that they're playing a prank on me, and they don't want me to come to the house for WrestleMania. And they're like, and he can tell I'm starting to get a little bit crushed about it. And he goes, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to get to go to this. And we found the house finally. He called dude's dad and was like, explain to me where this is. And you're, okay, and the adults now have talked. Instead of children talking, the adults have figured out where the adult has to go. I get dropped off, and it was really cool because there was like food and stuff there. It was on. It was on the big loudspeakers, like bumping, and it had that live feeling. When you're watching and you're live watching the pay per view, it's so different. WrestleMania 17 had amazing uh, matches and moments, and it, it was it was the start of the streak for me because I started watching WrestleManias as they aired all the way up and until 30 when I had to work. You guys have heard the story about what happened at 30 where I woke up during the Taker match to find out that Taker had lost. I was like, God damn it, that's the worst. So I think that's going to do it, folks. We officially have done Journey into Wrestling. I'm so sorry it was late today, folks. It's been a whirlwind. You guys will be able to hear that whole story and, and recounting why everything in my life is running behind right now because it truly is like I, I'm... I have so many people, I'm sorry that I don't have the shit I need to get done for them done, but it's like one thing dropped into my world and totally threw everything off track. So I've just been kind of like trying to get myself back together. And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And like I said, Monday, Journey into Comics. You guys will hear it on JIC 235. I think that's going to do it for this week of Journey into Wrestling. You guys can check out Journey into Wrestling every other Wednesday right here on the Journey into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com. Go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, Spotify, and many others, and search Journey into Comics network where you will get all of our shows such as Journey into Comics, Poor 360, Foodies Watching Movies, Podcastrophy, Crucial Tunes, The Voice of Survival, Brews with Dudes, Dungeons with Dudes, Journey into Wrestling, Gallifradio, Kids for Sale, and many other shows coming soon. Adulting Ain't Easy is another one of those amazing shows coming soon, folks. I can't wait. We've got more stuff coming for you down the line. Also, make sure to go to Patreon. Throw us a buck for early access and exclusive content by going to patreon.com 
backslash journey into comics. We need your money. We want your money, and we love it because if you give us that dollar or that $5 or whatever you choose to donate to us, it's going into the hedge fund for the network. We're going to be using that for things that we need down the road. So that's all I've got for this week, folks. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. This has been Journey into Wrestling Season 3, Episode 16, The Reality Era. And I am Nate. Bang! Good night. Hey guys, Deadpool here. Just wanted to tell you about a little event that's happening on March 23rd. Fun for Funs, it's a Journey into Comics Network event. Featuring live podcasts from Brews with Dudes, Podcastrophy, Dungeons with Dudes, and Journey into Comics. As well as performances by band number one, Boner Jovi. Ooh, that sounds fun. Walk Among Us, Yesterday's Chips. Also featuring live stand-up by comedian Patrick Murray. He's so much fun. Presented by Journey into Comics Network and the Doom Room. North and Pub, Lafayette, Indiana. Doors for three. Podcasts at four with bands at 730. $10. It's 21 and up. Don't try to sneak in, you silly kids. <laughs> <laughs>